You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. How are we doing? A little bit of a small crowd tonight. <laughs> Feels smaller than usual. Um, but welcome to our midweek service. It's great seeing you all. Uh, I hope that you're feeling still very refreshed and recharged from the workshop. Um, I did want to just speak about you know, the workshop and things to be mindful of. So when we ha- are wanting to change, when we're wanting to demolish strongholds, when we're wanting breakthroughs, who is a, who's going to be right there trying to tear us up and down? Satan. Yes. So when Jesus was baptized, what happened to Jesus right after he was baptized? And God said he was tempted. He was tempted. And one of the, one of the hashtags that Mike's very famous for is, first comes the dove, then comes the devil. And uh, yeah. So when you have a spiritual high, like the weekend, I mean, for yeah. me, the workshop was a, it was a spiritual high. Yeah. Most people were saying it wasn't a uh, workshop, it was a conference. Yeah. It yeah. felt that that level of um, power. Um, so after the dove comes the devil. And I think this week is, you know, if you're having a bit of a rough week, don't be surprised. And don't be discouraged. I guess so that's the yeah. biggest thing I want to just say tonight is don't be discouraged. Don't give up on your goals. Don't give up on your dreams. If God gave you a vision on the weekend, hang in, hang on to it, write it down and just hang in there. Don't give up. You know, one of the biggest things uh, I, I see is that there can be a, a stronghold in our heads uh, that fears change. We really, and even even our bodies like status quo. Our minds, our bodies, because we like efficiency. We just want to do what is easiest. That's the tendency of human nature. And status quo, we can just be on autopilot and just do the old is kind of where our bodies want to to stay and our minds want to stay. But Michael did a great lesson um, out of Numbers and Joshua yesterday for staff. And I just want to share a few few power thoughts with you. That's one of my, another great word I'm using. I'm giving, when I have quiet times, I am grabbing power thoughts for the day. So what does that mean? I'm grabbing scripture and I'm hanging on to the scripture for the day and I have a scripture for the year that I'm memorizing and I'm really putting it to heart. Like I really have faith um, that one of them is I, uh, I can do all things, and I shared this on Friday night, I can do all things. So the minute I'm tempted to give up, the minute I'm yeah. tempted to get overwhelmed, which is very easy emotionally, ministry is very draining and very emotionally draining, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I, I've said it like 20 times, uh, Yeah, what day was it, Sunday no, Monday, Monday night, because we had an appointment. I was dead tired and I was coming down with a cold and I was like, I can't do this. No, can't is not in my vocabulary. I can do all things through him. So I'm training my mind and that's how, the only way you're going you're gonna to demolish strongholds is to retrain your thinking. Chuck out can't and replace it with the word of God. I can do all things. So one of the biggest strongholds that I said was the fear of change. And in Josh, in Numbers 14, in Numbers 13 um, and 14, 
we will read. Do you remember J- Joshua and Caleb? Uh, so the, the Israelites were in the promised, were in the wilderness. They'd just escaped from Egypt, and the the, the issue with that is, we if we want to go into the promised land, if we want to grab the promises of God grab the incredible extraordinary life that Jesus wants to give us this year we have got to get out of the wilderness and get into the promised land of God and did you know that the Israelites did not actually have to wander for 40 years that the actual as the crow flies from Egypt to the promised land would have taken them about a year but because of their rebellion and because of their hearts they never, many of them never made it. Mm-hmm. And this uh, passage that we're about to read is why most of them perished. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because of a fear of change and a fear of mind changing their minds. In Numbers 13, on, let's pick up. Let's see. I want to try to find. Okay. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And then there's a whole list of leaders. And verse 16 says, These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. So Joshua is in there, and so is Caleb. Go now with me to to the same chapter, verse 26. They came back, so the spies go out, check it out. They come back to Moses and Aaron and the whole community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they report to them and to the whole assembly and show them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does, it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. What do we need to do with our excuses and our faithlessness? We need to silence them. We need to silence them. And sadly, in verse 31, the men who had gone up with him said, we can't. There's that word again. We can't. Negative thinking killed their faith. And in chapter 14, it says that the, all, the, in verse 1, all, that night all, all the people of the community raised their voices and <laughs> wept aloud. They gave into fear. And in verse 4, they say, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Faithlessness made them want to fall away. Wow. Made them want to go back to their sin. Right. And that is, that is the consequence. And then down to verse 20. Um, the Lord. So God's very mad at these guys. Moses is like, please God, don't destroy them. But the Lord replies in verse 20. I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless. As surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and detested me ten times, not one of them will ever 
See the land I promised an oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. In verse 29, in this desert, your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Verse 34, for 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins. And you know that it is like, and, and, and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this desert. Here they will die. So God cursed them to wander for 40 years. That was not the plan of God. God wanted them to go into the land. But they did it because of their faithlessness and their fear of change. And I think that can be what happens to us this year mm-hmm. if we don't silence the faithlessness in our heads, silence the I can'ts with I can do Amen. all things through Jesus. Amen? Amen. And the biggest, the, biggest, uh, the biggest battle we have right now is the battle of our finances. Mm-hmm. As, as a church, we've been, you know, since early December we've been talking about pledge drives we've actually never really had a pledge drive in London luckily you know we've been lucky uh, we've, we've, we're, we've been able to uh, I guess balance the books so we haven't had to increase the pledges but because we really want to put on more staff and, and definitely we want to send off now a mission team we need to um, get MJ on staff we need Vienna on staff we want to put uh, also um Luke Snow, Paul, and um, uh, possibly Jenya as well. Jenya is going to come to London as well. So we need to up our pledge drive mm-hmm. pledges. Uh, on Sunday, we were given an envelope. Some of us have already done it. Great, great job, everybody that did. Some of us haven't. And tonight, after we hear the lessons from uh, MJ and uh, Eileen, who are going to speak about finances from Joe's book, we are going to you know, be available to speak to anybody uh, in the congregation that needs uh, extra faith uh, or help with their heart. And, and really, there's two reasons why I struggle with my finances and two reasons why most of us struggle with our finances. It's either I just don't have the faith. I just don't have the faith that I can live on less a month or I just have greed in my heart and I just got to get the greed out and, and, and talk about it and re- readjust my finances to live a less greedy lifestyle, if you will. Um, So those are the two reasons. And money definitely brings out the demons. Um, So we've got to have a a faithful mindset. Um, But definitely we want to be here. All the region leaders and and, and also the shepherds, um, Denise and Maria, will stay back to support anybody that has questions uh, or needs further um, instruction or help. Um, But if we go to Joshua 1, here are the power thoughts. So... The generation dies, Moses dies, chapter 1 of Joshua, and now they're going to enter the promised land. And if this is the mindset that we need to have, if we're going to have an incredible, the best year ever in 2019. In verse 1 it says, After the Lord of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
The old has gone, guys. Moses is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. Verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot. These are God's power thoughts. Just listen. These were my, this was my quiet time today. And I was like, I took that into UCL today as I shared my faith because it is always very difficult for me to go onto campus. But, but, I, but God told me in verse 4, that verse 3, that I, every place where I set my foot, we are going to get a baptism at UCL. Amen. Verse 4, your territory will extend, amen, from central London, I pray, down to the south, to the north, to the east, to the west. Yeah. Amen. No one, verse 5, will be able to stand up against me all the days of my life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, Michelle. I will never leave you, MJ. I will never forsake you, Eugenie. Be strong and courageous, Tuli, because you will lead these people, Eileen, to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous, Shrina. Be careful to obey all the law, Rachel. The that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, Lillian, that you may succeed, Francesca, wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth, Sue. Meditate on it, Elizabeth, day and night, Josie, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, Naomi. Then you will be prosperous, Rebecca, and successful, Natasha. Have I not commanded you, Denise? Be strong, Maria Harwood, and courageous, Barry. Do not be terrified, Cat. Do not be discouraged, Sandra. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Right, Josie? Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's what God gives you every day. Every day he's saying that to you. We worship an amazing God, like such a loving God that says these things to us. I don't know any other religion that God speaks such powerful words to his people. I'm like amazed. This is, believe it. You're, all you need to do is believe it. And God will be with you. And when I took these thoughts into UCL, Victoria and I went around sharing our faith. And we, had a, we got a guest out to Bible talk in 10 minutes of being at UCL. And she set up to study on Friday. Please pray for her. She set up to study Friday, seeking God's study. The woman's wide open. She, she said, she said to Victoria, I actually prayed today for something, for something new. I've been asking God for, to learn more about his Bible. Wow. And I was like, well, you've come to the right place. So, and she was like, yeah, let's on Friday right away. But she's open. Um, so, you know, when we go into situations with faith, the impossible can be done. I cannot stress it enough. I'm preaching to myself. I've gone years without faith. I've gone years with minutes. Just, God, give me faith. I'm just finally understanding. It's just a decision. It's a decision. We have faith. We act on faith. And then we get more faith. 
We don't wait till we get faith. I've often waited. Okay, when I feel strong and courageous, I'm just going to go. I never feel strong and courageous, actually, ever. But I feel, I believe God will make me strong and courageous in the situation. I go in and then I'm going, no matter what, God is with me. As he was with Stephen when he was stoned, as he was with Jesus on the cross. Like I think of worst case scenarios, like UCL is almost like crucifixion for me some days. You know, you know those situations, you're terrified. You're just like, I'm really uncomfortable. God will be with me. I will look to heaven and in that painful moment of rejection, and I get rejected all the time. I share with tables of girls and they're like, no thanks. And you walk away like, oh, keep going, keep going, you know. They are more scared of me than I actually am of them, really. They're, you know, when you walk away, you're just like, amen. They, they, they're, they're like, well, she's pretty brave to do that. That's pretty bold. But be strong and courageous. Have faith, okay? Tackle the financial situation that is presented right now with faith. And God will definitely bless you exponentially. And God is creating a new thing in 2019. Don't be discouraged and do not quit. You can do all things through him. He gives you strength. Amen. Thank you so much, Michelle. I think um, really and truly uh, just having that focus on faith is so powerful because really everything we do comes down to that if we believe it or not. If we've bought into what we're doing in the kingdom as a disciple or not, and we have to have that faith behind what we do or else it doesn't matter. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, I get to preach on the first chapter of Joe's book. If you haven't bought it, please, please, this is something to invest in. I'm only on chapter two and I'm fired up about it. Uh, I think it, it came out at just the right time when our movement is at such a pivotal point to grow to really but but to grow we really need finances we really we need people and we need finances so i'm encouraged that we're going after this as a church um just to really push ourselves but um uh, we've just kicked off our pledge drive obviously as we've discussed and joe's uh the chapter one of his book is called it's all about the heart it's all about the heart and i'm fired up to talk about the heart tonight because i just had an interview in a heart unit in my hospital and i got the job (laughs) so i am officially a heart nurse so you can come talk to me about it kingdom we get to deal with hearts on a different level amen um but just thinking about the heart you know i I won't go into extreme anatomy but there's four chambers of your heart you've got the atrium and the ventricles and the atrium pumps into the ventricles and the ventricles pump the blood out into the rest of your body the heart beats about a hundred thousand times a day one hundred thousand times a day approximately it pumps 2,000 gallons of blood a day. Your blood, all of it, five and a half approximately liters, circulates through your entire body three times in one minute. That's how powerful your heart is. It's so powerful. And why? Why does it do all that? Because it takes life-giving oxygen and nutrients to your entire body. It is the most powerful dare I say, the most important organ of your body. Without it, the rest of it will not 
grow. It won't thrive. It won't flourish. Our hearts are so important. And so when he says it's all about the heart, we understand that is a key and vital role. Our heart in finances is huge. It plays a huge role. Um, and I love the first chapter because it really painted a picture of finances for me that I hadn't really seen before as far as, far as like contribution and tithe. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but we see several examples actually way before the law was written yeah. of people who, who gave to God, who gave sacrifices, yeah. who gave their tithes and offerings to God. So I want to look at a few of those examples um, with you tonight. First, let's look at Abel. We'll go to Genesis 4. So before anyone had told them to do their tithes, their contributions, before anything like that, uh, Abel, in Genesis chapter 4, we'll read verse 3 to 5. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So we see here this comparison between two people who gave something to God. And really, um, it's the comparison between each of us. And, And really, it could be you at different points in your life, how you give to God. You might be a Cain, you might be an Abel, um, but you see the difference. But but really, who told Abel to sacrifice? Who told him? Bible scholars here. Tell me who told Abel to sacrifice. No one. No one prompted him, right? No one told him to do that. No one told Cain to give less. No one told Abel. There was no prompting. It was out of their heart, right? It was completely independent of persuasion. Uh, So no one forced them. And I, I think it's really evident, like, when we love someone, we want to give right? When I love someone, when I'm just like fired up, like they're my best friend, I want to give them everything. I'm buying Christmas presents. I'm thinking, what will encourage them? How can I, like, what kind of foods do they like? Like Josie talked about, like it's, you want to encourage, you want to give. You don't have to be forced. You don't even have to be asked. You just want to give out of your heart. And that's what we see here in Abel's heart. He didn't have to be told. He just wanted to give to his God. He was grateful God had blessed his harvest and he was like, let me give you some, God. You know, and he was just encouraged. Um, but I think that's the heart we need to come to God with when we give. Like, I just want to give to you. Yeah. I'm not being forced. No one's telling me what to do. I'm going to give you my best without any compulsion. Uh, let's look at Noah in Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 to 21. Noah's another great example Uh, Starting in verse 20, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Wow. So you see Noah's heart here. After he went through 40 day and days and nights of uncertainty, of challenge, of storm, he went through a really difficult time. Everything he knew was wiped away. 
everything that him and his family were familiar with, their stability, their home, their friends, their just what they knew, everything was wiped away. But as soon as that storm finished, as soon as they put their feet on dry ground, his first, first, first action was to go to God and give something to God. So when you go through a storm, it's your first reaction to give back to God. It's not my first reaction most of the time. I'm like, God, what are you doing? I've given so much to you. Why are you making me suffer? And I just have a hard time. And I think many of us can relate. But here you see Noah went through a difficult situation and he did not have much. Guys, he took two of each kind of animal. And you think, oh, there's a lot of different kinds of animals. It says he gave some of each back to God. Mm -hmm. Some of each. So he didn't have, I mean, 40 days, they're not going to have a lot of animal babies running around. He's going to, he's like giving some of each of those things back to God. He didn't have, he had limited resources. Mm -hmm. Some of us can relate to limited resources. But Noah's heart was to was just let me give back to God. Let me give something. God, I'm so grateful you brought us through that trial, brought us through that storm. And so we can learn from Noah's heart uh, to really think about what can I give to God um, even in difficult times. Let's look at another example of Abraham in Genesis 14. And in Genesis 14, Abraham, uh, we'll look at verse 18 through 20. And we see another great example. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So here Abram is. He goes up to this man of God, this priest, and he gets a pretty humbling blessing, right? He rem- he's reminded by this priest that, hey, actually, this, this stuff you're rejoicing about, it was given to you by God. Don't forget that. And so Abraham, in return, gives a tenth. No, again, no one told him. Yeah. No one told him. But I think what it shows here is he gave it to the priest, right? He gave it to the priest, the man of God. But I think for us, what's, what do we learn from this? Well, how grateful are you for the people in your life that are bringing you back to God? How grateful are you? He gave an offering to the priest who gave him some, some, I mean, if I'm a, I'm a prideful person and if someone were to say that, Hey, Eileen, remember it's God that gave you these things. Um, I would feel humbled, but in his humility, after he gets the discipling, he's like, Hey, let me give back to God. Let me, let me constantly remember to give back to God. Let me give a tenth of all I have. Yeah. He was so grateful. And I just want to ask you, sisters, how grateful are you for the spiritual leaders God's put in your life mm-hmm. to keep you focused on God? How grateful are you, are, are you for the spiritual guidance that you get to keep you humble? When we talk about finances, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not easy. But are you grateful for the women that are taking the time to help you be more Excellent in your finances. Um, you know, I think of just for myself, everything I am. Someone was giving me a compliment the other day and, and just like really building me up and encouraging me. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. But in my head, I just was thinking like 
everything they're complimenting me on is stuff that's been discipled into me. I would not be that if it weren't for God and his kingdom. I wouldn't. I, I'm fired up today at my interview. They said I did better than all of the other candidates. I scored high, the highest out of all of these other candidates that interviewed. And I don't think that's me. <laughs> that's God. That's discipling. That's people training me and teaching me to be the woman I am today. You guys had known me 15 years ago. <laughs> but people pay thousands of dollars in the world yeah. to get the kind of training, yeah. the kind of emotional, like, therapy or just encouragement that we get. They have life coaches. They have, and all those things are great, but really we get a lot of that for free in the kingdom. The encouragement that we get from each other, the family, the sisterhood, you know, and that's so special, but are you grateful for that? And I think in our gratitude, we need to be women that give generously. Let's look at another example in Genesis 28. And we'll read Genesis 28 verse 20 to 22. And this is Jacob. It says, Genesis 28, verse 20 to 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that I I." Of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So here's where that tenth comes in, the persistent tenth. Before they gave a tenth, it was like a one-off, like they just gave it one time. Now he's saying, I will give you a tenth of all you give me, meaning continually. I'm going to give back to, to my God. And Jacob made this vow to God of his own free will, again, but that also so that he would remember continually what God had done for him. Mm-hmm. And as we give, again, it's all about the heart. What are you thinking of? Sometimes when the heart has, you know, dysfunctional rhythms, it's because one part is working and the other is not following or vice versa. It's not, they're not in connection. And sometimes we can say, oh yeah, I'm a disciple. I'll give everything I have to God. But we don't show that in our tithes. We don't show that in our lifestyle. We don't. And so it's like, we're saying one thing, but it's not being followed up with that other part of our heart. And, um, and so we need to be women that really practice what we preach. If you're saying your life is God's, that Jesus is your Lord, that you'll give up everything, go anywhere, you need to prove it by your actions. It's the little things. It's your heart that reflects that. And Jacob wanted to constantly be reminded so that he would not forget what God had done for him and that he would continually live for God. Um, and that's what we need to think about when we give. What has God done for you? You know, I believe the hearts of these men, they pleased God so much. He was so encouraged by their heart to give back to him. You know, you think of like a mom getting a little flower from, from their kid or just some, like they may make the most random, like abstract art, but it's the most special thing because it came from their child, someone they loved and it was made with love. And I believe these sacrifices pleased God so much that he was like, I want I want this from everyone. I want everyone to do this. So if anyone wants to follow me, they need to give a tenth, just like Jacob. Because he was so proud of his son. He was like, this is awesome. This is a great idea, Jacob. Come on, let's make it a law. And so he made it a law. But in our sin, we get rebellious when we're told to do something, don't we? So then it becomes a law. And all of a sudden, oh, nope, I'm not going to do that. You can't tell me what to do. It's my life. It's my money. 
And we get crazy. We forget to be grateful. That's what the law is for. The law was put in. That's why we have, you know, accountability in our life. That's why we have discipline. That's why we have God's law. Because he's like, hey, I know you need encouragement and ideas of what to do. So let me help you out. But let's not be sinful. Let's really take, the, take it to heart that God wants the purity of our heart. God wants us to reflect the hearts of these men that gave first. Without anyone telling them to do so. He just wanted, um, he was just fired up that they gave their heart. Um, you know, I think, um, yeah, we can think all God wants to do is take. Like, God is just taking. He wants so much from me, and I just can't keep up. Um, but again, we just have to remember it is about the heart. God doesn't need our money. No. You know, when we make this pledge and, and the church is calling you, okay, give 25 pounds more and da da da, da. Like, God doesn't need that. However, to move his movement, <laughs> he needs it. He wants it, right? Um, but he doesn't need our money. He does need our hearts. And I think what's so key in, in seeing this is um, that... God wants you to be, like, give willingly. God wants the the sacrifice and the contribution you make to be willing, to be out of the overflow of your heart, out of gratitude. And so I just want to share with you Exodus 25. Let's look at just a couple more scriptures, and I'll pass it over to MJ. Um, But in Exodus 25, verse 1 to 2, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. And so here God tells the leader of his people, call my people to give. Call everyone to give. It says, tell the Israelites, meaning all of them. So everyone was asked to give something. But it says... God knew, right? God knew the people wouldn't all be prompted. So he says, receive the offering from those whose hearts are prompted to give to me. Um, and so you see there's a difference. Even back then, there was a difference. Sometimes there were people who wanted to give, sometimes not so much. Um, but I think God knew. Like, you know, have you ever been offered something uh, by someone reluctantly? Like, yeah. here, take, here. Okay, fine. Take my last French fry. <laughs> Didn't want to share it, but... Here, have it. Yeah. Fine. And you're like, okay, I don't want it. Like, if it's that much of a burden, like, to eat it, please, you know? <laughs> like, that's what God's heart is, too. Like, he doesn't want us to just be giving stuff that's like, fine, God, take it. Take another 25 pounds. Fine, do it. Whatever. You know, like, that's not the heart God is looking for. And so uh, we really need to reflect this heart. Um, and I think what's so incredible is if you look at 2 Corinthians, we'll jump to the, the New Testament. God, this is the call, right? So we see the examples. Uh, we know that we struggle uh, with, with those examples even. But in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12, it says, For if the willingness is there... The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. And this is so awesome because God doesn't look at what we don't have. You know, sometimes we come to God and we're like, I just, I don't have anything, God, but what I have, I give you. And God's like, that's all I wanted because that shows your heart is with me. And I think uh, when we think about willingness, we need to understand where it comes from. And let's look quickly at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15. And this is really the motivation of it all. 
Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And sisters, I just want to kind of leave you with that thought. Um, what motivates us to give? You know, it's Christ's love. It's because God sent his son for you, sent him to die, sent him to to live this incredibly selfless life so that you could have hope, so that you could have salvation, um, so that you wouldn't have to worry about anything. He gave you the kingdom to provide for your needs. Um, But I think just um, in closing, you know, just think about the things that prevent you from giving your heart and your finances. Um, The book gives a lot of examples. I don't have time to go through all of them because I talk a lot. Um, But there's so many examples. There's struggles that we have, selfishness that we have. Um, But I think just as Michelle gave us that challenge to really demolish the strongholds, let's be women that demolish the faithlessness. Let's be women that demolish the selfishness and the greed in our hearts. Let's purify our hearts so that we can give freely and give generously so that we can really build God's kingdom here in London and in the rest of Europe. Thank you. Good evening, sisters. Um, Thank you so much, Michelle and Eileen, for sharing. Uh, I feel inspired already, and even more so after the... um, Winter workshop, uh, but I'm going to be speaking about chapter two, um, and the actual title of chapter two is "Why Do You Want to Be Rich?" <laughs> so I'm really going to be speaking about uh, why why we can make money a big deal. Um, and I think um, Eileen mentioned it before. Like it's such a very it's a very sensitive topic. Money. I remember I used to feel so uncomfortable talking about money, yeah. or even like if someone lent you know borrowed some money from me that I really needed. Like to really to even approach them to to ask yeah. for it back. Like yeah. it would just I would feel so weird. Like yeah. I don't know why it's just such a taboo. But then I think about Jesus. And he talked about money a lot. And just some stats for you, um, and you can check this out. One in one out of ten verses um, in the Gospels talks about money. Ten percent. No pun intended. Ten percent of verses in the Gospels talk about money. The Bible offers about 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. God had something to say (laughs) about money, and he wasn't afraid to talk about it. So we will be like God and talk about it too. (laughs) So um, my first point, actually, um, is how wealth can be a weapon of Satan. That's my first point. I'm going to read 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 10. And it says... But godliness with contentment is great pain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 
and I share this because I really believe um, that money is the currency of the heart, you know, because it drives our emotions. Um, you know, it can make us feel jittery, make us feel angry, make us feel anxious um, or lustful. We can really lust after money. Um, And who is eager to control our emotions? Satan, you know. Statistics show that money is the number one motive for murder Um, and the number one reason for divorce, uh, which is very sad, you know. Money can cause conflict, separate families, can make you feel lonely, uh, but most importantly, it can, money can leave, lead you away from God and his mission, yeah. if you allow it. Um, and, it, you know, and I really believe that the devil can use money to really seduce us in a way that can corrupt you know, our hearts. Um, and I'm just going to quote Luke 16, uh, verse 13 to 15, and it just talks about... Um, Uh, Jesus speaking, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Meaning we cannot have such a lustful emotion with our money, you know, and expect to serve God. There will be a clash, you know. And let's be honest, you know, I want to ask you, this is a question. How many of us have said at one point in our lives that, you know, I want to be rich? Absolutely. Hi. Yeah, at at some point. Uh, Or even now, maybe. (laughs) How many of you, uh, sisters, have said, I want to be rich so I can give to charity? Yeah. I said that. (laughs) Or give to church. (laughs) I said that. Um, (laughs) And that's noble. That's, you know, that's very noble. Um, And my third question, sisters, how many of you have said, you know, I want to be like Jesus? Yeah. Okay. I don't think how to go on. Okay, exactly. Um, So we'll take this one step further because how we think and behave with money really reflects our spiritual condition. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 8. Come on. 2 Corinthians 8. Verse, verse 9. And it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through poverty might become rich. Wow. Um, and I love this because it really shows the heart of God, you know. Um, like the desire for wealth or to be rich was not part of Jesus's character or purpose, you know, and he gave up an incomprehensible riches yeah. <laughs> in yeah. heaven. We can't even fathom what he yeah. gave up to come down to earth, um, to live amongst stuff and not really live a glamorous life. You know, he was born in a dirty manger. He lived as a refugee in Egypt before returning to Israel. There was nothing really glamorous about Jesus, even the way he looked, you know, there was just nothing, nothing glam. And so that wasn't the heart of Christ, you know, you know, to be rich. Because I think that's noble. We can want more money to do great things. Yeah. That's a noble heart. But that yeah. wasn't even Jesus's heart, no. you know. Jesus's heart was, I'm going to save souls. And I'm going to use the people and the resources um, that we have. And so for us that want to be like Jesus, and we all, we're all here tonight. So, of course, we all want to be like Jesus, you know. 
how can that so easily be our hearts? You know, like I want to, and we can re- really go after this in a in the name of doing wanting to do something great. Yeah. We can go after riches. Um, and I think about um, I think about Luke eighteen, verse twenty four to twenty five. And you know, I just quoted Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so it's like the desire to be to have more is literally choosing the hardest path to heaven. Yes. That blew me away, (laughs) thinking and reading about that concept. It's like being a disciple is is awesome, but hard enough (laughs) with everything else you have to deal with. And then to now, you know, go choose a path that's like harder. It's like we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't want to. Why why do we do that to ourselves? You know, why do we want more money Uh, for various reasons? We want more security. Uh, We want to be happy. We want to be comfortable. We don't have to. We don't want to struggle, you know, nobody likes to struggle. We want to enjoy life and, you know, travel, do things that are pleasing. The list goes on. Uh, There's so much, you know, but this desire can consume you, you know, uh, where you're at a place where you want things beyond your means or beyond uh, beyond what you need and you, but you you've you've convinced yourself that you need them if that makes sense yeah, yeah. and so when our focus um, on money is consumed it really actually chokes our ability to be focused on the mission mm-hmm. because we, we're not concerned about saving lives we're not concerned about showing our faith yeah. we're concerned about what I'm going to do next month on my holiday you know our focus changes um, and you can just write down Mark 4 18 to 19 and it just talks about how the worries of life mm-hmm. choke us you know um I think about Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. Um, sorry, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12. And it says, I'll quote it. It says, the sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Yeah. That is deep <laughs> because we all love sleep. You know, sometimes we can be really, really tired. Some of us can be really, really tired because we're so focused on money. It's draining, yeah. you know, um, and living that life of like focusing too much on money, like it grants you no sleep. And just a few chapters, a few verses before that in verse 10, it says, whoever loves money will never have enough. It's like digging a, ba- a black hole. It's like digging a hole with no bottom. And so, and I believe that's the trap that like Satan wants us to, to, to get locked in because it yeah. takes away our focus, yeah. you know. Um, and I also believe, you know, that God limits how much he gives us. Um, because the temptation, I think, for a lot of us, if we had every single, if we had riches, we would not be in this room. Yeah. <laughs> for some of us, you know. Um, and I want to quickly just read um, Hosea 13, mm-hmm. verse on, 4, because I believe it really, um, it really uh, shows how God protects us, actually. Yeah. Hosea 13, verse 4. But, and it says... But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud, then they forgot me. And so this 
this scripture really resonates with me because um, a lot of times I believe God denies us things that we can truly crave because actually he's protecting us and he doesn't want us to have the same faith as the Israelites did. You know, like Michelle shared, like they were in the desert for 40 years unnecessarily, you know, um, and I believe God can protect us from that. And, you know, obviously the goal of this uh, charge isn't, you know, to make anyone allergic to money or to, to, to make you despise your bank accounts no you know like but it's really just to, um it's really just to highlight how satan can use money to corrupt your heart you know because okay let's face it with those stats the chances of someone in this room murdering for money it's very slim i have the faith to believe that yeah <laughs> I mean, so i don't you know to pray about that (laughs) but like um i think but you can be tempted um away you can be tempted by money to be very unspiritual you know and it it doesn't have to be quote unquote major and i'll just share you know um uh just before the new year just before christmas um when sean and i were driving and we realized oh we had a little bit extra than we thought we had and so that encouraged me and so um he there was a, he was like okay we can either split it or we can use <laughs> we can use this to get something that will benefit both of us and um, my thought my initial thought was just selfishness I was completely selfish I was like okay what would work better for me because I know I really want a sofa and I know he doesn't we don't have a sofa at home um, <laughs> and I really want a sofa but Sean doesn't care about he doesn't care about that stuff um, and so uh, in my mind I was like okay we can use the whole the whole money to get a sofa and I know that would really fire me up or um, we can split it and I can do something yeah. with my half and he can do something with his, his half to encourage me. That's my expectation. Um, because, yeah, because he said he wanted a suit and I didn't think... Anyway... <laughs> I didn't think he needed one. Anyway, my point was I was just focused on myself. And I know it's just a small thing, but like that that's little bit extra we had just surfaced a lot of selfishness in my heart. Because I was really thinking, how can I okay, how can this benefit me more? And it's both of our like finances, both of our money. Um and so and that's obviously that's on a very small scale, but on a larger scale, I think about Judas I think about him, like he physically walked with Jesus. Like, I mean, you can't get closer to God than that. And he watched the miracles. He watched the people get healed. Like he, like he had everything in front of him, but he, that wasn't enough. Like he loved money so much. The love of Christ and the love of God, his salvation wasn't enough for him um, to not betray Christ, which he did. And I believe his love for money blinded him. And sisters, if we are focused on money, that can blind us too, especially with this pledge drive. Because, yeah, like, again, uh, like Michelle shared, like, it it does surface our hearts. Because it's money, for some reason, it's just that taboo. Um, And it surfaces our hearts for whatever reason. Um, But if if our hearts aren't pure, we won't see God in this at all. All we will see is, okay, these are just bad decisions. You won't trust and you'll doubt what we're trying to build because you won't see God in it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because our hearts have to be pure. And if you find yourself asking, like, 
like all these many whys, like why now, you know, why does it mount, why the, you know, the list, the whys go on, just like, just know that there's like, the, you know, it's a faith issue, you know, it's a faith issue and you really want to just, honestly, I just encourage you guys just to get open. Um, um, and I, again, I appreciate what Eileen shared earlier about that willingness, uh, because if the heart is there, you will see faith more in your whichever whichever situation you're in, as opposed to complaints and grumbling. Um, but on the flip side, I think when we use money as a tool to invest in God's kingdom, that is powerful. It's a powerful instrument, you know. Um, and that just brings me to my second point, which is to buy in to be sold out. Um, I want to share Philippians. I want to read. Before I close, Philippians 2, because I really um, have a conviction that giving has everything to do with humility. I'll share share Philippians 2, verse 5 to 7, and it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made into human likeness and i just want to focus on that uh on um verse six where it says oh sorry verse seven where it says he made himself nothing you know um and this like again this was god in the flesh and we i think we can get so used to the idea of yeah christ came he died you know he was god in in the flesh he died for us that was his will he did it but like he made himself nothing and i think sometimes for us when it comes to giving it's not an issue of not necessarily being able to not being able to give more but just loving our lives too much you know, and not willing to make ourselves less than. Mm. Jesus didn't make himself less than. He made himself nothing, you yeah. know, as in trampled on the floor. That's what he made himself, wow. you know. Um, and for us, we can struggle to, to deny ourselves, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, whether it's uh, Netflix, what, whatever it is, whatever that, that cost is. Uh, and obviously this, for those that do struggle with, wanting putting your own desires above uh giving like just think about jesus like this was his heart he didn't care he didn't claim any glory whilst he was here on earth um and i think we just i think we need to pray we're in that place we just need to pray to have that willing desire to obey um not out of compulsion but really out of love again like eileen preached um, and I want to share Matthew 19 because I read this and it hit me um, in a whole different perspective. And we all know the story. If we turn to Matthew 19, uh, and I'll read chapter 16. Matthew 19, uh, from chapter 16. Okay, so it says, Then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? 
Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Yeah. And we'll stop here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this story is really, it's just really sad. It's a really sad story because um, obviously this rich young ruler had his heart massively exposed. And I think in the same way, we can boast about things that are easy for us. For this guy, he boasted about not murdering, not stealing, or, you know, Uh, he boasted about the things that came easy to him. And I think we can do the same. You know, like, I pray, I have my quiet time. That's no biggie. I share my faith. That's easy. I go to all the meetings early. You know, I have D times like twice. Like, like we can, we can tick, you know, we can tick the boxes, you know, of what, you know, perfect disciple looks like. Uh, and we can say all these things and then put that but there, you know, but give more than I'm already giving. Mm. Like, give more, like, I'm already doing X, Y, and Z, right. <laughs> you know, just like this guy. Like, does that break you? Mm. The thought of giving more, like, does that create a sadness in your heart, like a brokenness, like, oh, my days. I'm done. (laughs) You know that phrase, when you're done, when you just have no faith. Because that's where this guy was at. He had the opportunity to walk with God. He had the opportunity to have salvation. But he, like, it was like, it was like a death sentence. And what's ironic um, is that Jesus didn't say you know, go sell your possessions and use it to support yourself in the ministry and come follow me. Jesus said, no, sell your possessions and give that to people you don't even know. Yeah. So he doesn't even get to reap the fruits of his, you know, of his labor. Yeah. That's deep. And it wasn't, um, you know, and it wasn't quote unquote the act of giving that was his was his salvation issue it was his heart mm-hmm. so it's always the heart because Jesus didn't call everyone to sell their positions to give to the poor mm-hmm. you know because there were women in his ministry that worked but like God knows our hearts he knows who's faking it you know he knows like okay who's really for me who's just doing this because it's really not a sacrifice and he knows who is committed and and that came out you know and I think for us like like I think about it, you know, it's like, okay, how can I apply this to myself? You know, imagine God calling me to um, sell my house. Well, actually, no, I don't own a house, so I can't use that excuse. But sell my car. That was what I thought about. <laughs> sell my car, you know, to give to a brother so he can have uh, food for the month. <laughs> you know, or, you know, God calls you, you know, sell that cute little gadget phone, you know, the latest iPhone X 10, 20, whatever, (laughs) whatever the latest, you know, sell it and give it to a sister so she can, you know, have her rent paid. Like (laughs) completely nothing to do with like, you don't get to reap the fruits of your work at all. That would be hard, (laughs) you know, um, and we're not even called to do that. (laughs) We're called to do a fraction of that because I'm sure if we were called to sell, like, a chunk of our possessions and not reap from that but to, to give to give it away yeah. that would expose what whether we were really in this because we believe in what we're building yeah. and that convicted that convicted me 
Um, and I think, yes, we have challenges because we live in one of the most expensive cities, hands down. London is crazy expensive. Um, but again, it's the, where's the heart? You know, if things are tight or if things are difficult, you know, are you saying, okay, this, I really want to do this. This is my situation. Okay, like help me figure something out. Yeah. You know, there's a, that's a different heart to why this or I can't do this or even having um, an angry or embittered spirit. Yeah. And I've been there before. You know, when I was weak as a disciple, I didn't have strong convictions on giving just because I didn't care. If I was really, really honest, I just didn't care. I, as long as I'm, I'm a disciple, I, you know, I come to church, I'm good. Uh, but when my faith was weak, I wasn't um, sold out with building God's kingdom. I was very self-focused and very focused on the now. Like I didn't really think about the interns at the time that were super broke and you know losing weight. <laughs> like I didn't. I, I, refl- I think about it now, and I just wow. I, I feel ashamed of like just my attitude. Uh, what my attitude was back then. Like, I wasn't mature in my thinking. I didn't really quite get it. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're in that place. Maybe you just don't understand, like, like you still don't understand, like, why. That's okay. Just get open, you know, and just pray that you can have a heart that's like, okay, Lord, you know what? I want to be sold out. Yeah. Not just say it, you know, yeah. not just sing the songs, you know, I want to go to the Jubilee, or I want to, you know, Lord, prepare me for, you know, we sing all these songs, and they have deep meaning. If you read through the songbook, it's convicting. They have deep meaning. So let's sing these songs and um, really believe them. And just to close out, um, I uh, actually want to lift up a brother, actually. I want to lift up a brother in the East, um, uh, David Dada. Yeah. And I lift him up because he's like a silent hero. Yeah. You don't hear of him much, but yeah. he, as many of you know, he won quite a sum of money. And he wasn't, this was last year, and he wasn't um, quick to give. and give. He gave a lot, more than actually his love offering should have been. Um, and he also, uh, when there was a need in the sister's household um, to help out with the rent, when he was asked, he responded within minutes. Amen. He didn't hesitate to give a lump sum of money that could have been used to travel somewhere. Wow. And so he really has a heart to, to give. Um, and I know I've shared about her, but I, I just want to lift up uh, my mother-in-law, Mama Sue, just because uh, she... I've shared about her already, but her heart, like she would give the world to save souls if she could. That is Mama Sue's heart. Like she will give even when she has nothing. She will take five pounds, you know, for a soul. Uh, Mama Sue, you know, can't do much, but her heart is sold out. I love her dearly. So sisters, just to close out, have faith, you know, faith is a decision. Um, that you make. Uh, Philippians 4.19 says, My, God will meet your needs according yes. to the riches of his glory. Yes. Believe that. And I love what Michelle sh- shared about just grabbing onto these scriptures. God yeah. will meet my need. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Yeah. No buts, yeah. no ifs. God will meet my need. Um, and in Matthew 9.29, it just, Jesus shares, according to your faith, it will be it will be done so yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to encourage you I, I believe that this year will be great I yes. honestly do believe that I don't just say that because yeah. it's the thing to say in the new year yeah. and so since we're in this fight together yeah. let's yeah. fight this battle and give God the glory give God the glory
We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.